following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. All right, Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah is a huge book in the Old Testament. You can't miss it. Well, you can, but then you can go back and get it on the, on the flip. My uh, assignment this morning is to talk about peace. So Isaiah chapter 2, verse 1 is where we're going to go. We're going to do a little bit different spin on, uh, on peace this year. But Isaiah chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, um, there's pew Bibles in front of you. Uh, that's page 1062. So if you don't have a Bible, page 1062, you can go ahead and open it up there. And uh, if you don't have a Bible in general, you take that one home with you and write your name on it in Sharpie so nobody steals it when you walk out of church this morning, all right? Because we know that church is a hospital for sinners, right? So some people be stealing your Bible in church. It happens sometimes. Isaiah chapter 2 is where we're going to be at. Look at your neighbor as you're turning there and say, Shalom! And look at your second choice and say, Shalom. <laughs> your second choice. Ridiculous. Shalom means peace. It's the Hebrew word for peace, and it's taken from the root word, uh, Shalom, which means to be safe in mind and spirit and body. And being over in the Middle East, uh, they say it all the time. You look at somebody and you say, Shalom, and they say, Shalom back. If you go to Jerusalem and you say shalom to an Arab, they say no shalom. And you feel really awkward because you shouldn't have said that at all. Because um, they don't believe that there's any peace. The Jews believe that shalom is a, a completeness. They believe it's uh, something that, is, that, that comes inside from what you have been given. And then when you have achieved peace, Shalom. You give it back out to somebody else. You return it. So that's why they say shalom is a greeting. They say shalom, peace be with you. And then uh, you guys know this if you grew up in any sort of church. And then you say, and with you as well. Peace back to you. So as you leave church this morning, you could say shalom to somebody. If they don't say shalom back, say no Christmas present for you. Okay. So the world's peace and the word's peace are very different. The peace that the world has to offer and the peace that God has to offer is very different. And that's my assignment this morning. We'll see if we can do it a good service. Let's ask uh, God's blessing upon his word and pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thanks for Isaiah, the prophet who boldly declares that peace will come in the form of a Messiah. His name is Jesus. He came. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We lift up the name of Jesus, the highest name above all others. And as we gather on Christmas, we, we miss sometimes that Jesus is coming back again. And that's important. This is a reminder in the season that you came, but you're coming again. You've given us peace by being in a relationship with the living God through faith in Christ the Son. But you've given us eternal peace when he comes back again. And I know this season, God, some people don't have shalom. They don't have peace. 
those people might be far from you and, and not have a relationship with you. And, and some of those people might know you and still wrestle with why they don't have peace. And so the goal today is to understand that and then apply it and hopefully transform our minds from what we knew to what we know and how to use that in our life. Would you make it clear this morning, God, to speak through me in a way that I can't speak to these people? Let the Holy Spirit soften our hearts and impress the truths of Scripture. Thanks for Jesus that He came. He's coming again soon. If you believe that, amen? Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 2. Look at verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning two places. It's going to be Judah and Jerusalem. Isaiah, he starts with a prophecy because he is a prophet. And he talks about the wickedness of this place called Judah. They had a bunch of kings. And if you go back and you read the Old Testament, you'll realize that the Old Testament declares this one king came and he reigned and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and the land prospered. And then you see another king came to reign and then he didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord and the land faltered. And it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, didn't do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And so Israel is longing for a king who's going to come and he's going to set things right. He's going to be a righteous king that rules not just for a season. He's going to rule and reign forever. It's like us looking at our president and saying, at some point in our life, we're going to see a president who's going to make everything right. Maybe. Okay, so where man fails, God fulfills. And so we know in humanity, there's always going to be times with humanity where it's going to fall short, but with an eternal, everlasting God who sends an eternal, everlasting king, he's going to rule and reign forever. That's what Isaiah talks about. And he says, you've got to follow this king, okay? His whole push is to follow this king because these people live in rebellion against God. They live in disobedience against God. God tells them what to do. He gives them all these laws and rules and regulations, and they don't do it. You would think that that would happen, right? If you gave your kids a bunch of rules to follow, that they would just follow them to the letter. But they fall short, don't they? Those of you who don't agree don't have kids, and that's okay. Have kids, they said. <clears throat> It'll be fun. So Isaiah declares, even though you've done wrong according to God's laws and truths, I'm going to send a Messiah. He's going to wash your sins away. He's going to make them white like snow. And I think that snow is coming next month. All right, there we go. I got one. And so he describes and he declares this. This is Isaiah's prophecy to these nations. Now, he's going to talk about a Messiah who's going to come, okay? And Jesus, we know, comes. But this has application for us too as well because we know the Messiah is coming again soon. It says in verse 2, <clears throat> It shall come to pass in the later days, or the latter days, or the last days, that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. Daniel's 17th week. The millennium, as they call it in Revelation, this is when it will happen. It shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it, and many people shall come. And they'll say, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, so that, not in the text, but implied, 
we may have peace. We may have shalom. How do we get this shalom, this peace? Well, immediately after Isaiah gave a declaration about sin, he declares a prophecy. It's going to go all the way to chapter 4 about a time when Jerusalem is going to be the primary position in the world. If you've been to church, or maybe this is your first Sunday, let me tell you something. Jerusalem is so important to us as believers. We need to keep our eyes on the Middle East. It is so important and vital. Why? Because it has been said time and time again to miss Israel is to miss one of God's keys to interpreting all of biblical prophecy. They say, keep your eyes on Israel because it is God's timepiece. It shows us how God is moving and working. It's shown us since generation how God moves. It will show us until revelation how God moves. So if we keep our eyes on Israel in biblical life, as well as everyday life, you see God's plan for the ages unfold. Keep your eyes on Israel. It is important. Pay attention to the news. It is important. Whatever your source may be, whether it's fake or unfake, keep your eyes on Israel. Okay? <clears throat> Why? Because it says in verse 2, In the latter days or the last days it will come. The time of the Messiah will come. When Christ comes again, like I said, two advents, a time Jesus came, that is 2,018 years ago. It's been scientifically proven that Christmas really happened on December 24th. Zero. False. It's just when we celebrate it, but we know he came, okay? And Jesus is going to come again, and here in the passage, he is going to reign over the earth for a thousand-year reign. Daniel talks about this at the 17th week, where Jesus is going to establish his literal earthly kingdom on earth. No more presidents, no more rulers, just Jesus ruling and reigning. If you've received Jesus Christ, don't worry. Don't worry. Because he will be your savior, and the Bible tells us that he'll protect us, his people. How do I have Jesus become my savior? I trust in faith that Christ's blood covers my sin. If you want internal shalom, peace, completeness, you've got to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. That's number one. Receive the best Christmas present that you'll ever receive in your life. And that is the gift of salvation, which only God gives through Jesus Christ, his son. So this is the gospel. Paul will say it is the power of God that brings salvation, peace to everyone who believes. First, it comes to the Jew. Then it goes to the Gentile. The Jew is God's chosen person. They rejected God. So the Gentiles are grafted into the family of God. It's important to understand that. You gain the opportunity from somebody else's missed cause. The Jews were supposed to accept Jesus, and because they didn't, we as Gentiles come running into the family of God because He grafts us in, as the New Testament says. So we receive peace from Christ now, and it lives inside of us, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It says, in the later days... The people of God will have internal peace, but those who are far from God will not have this peace that we know. Okay? Not only that, it says there will be a place in verse 3, first part, in the mountain of the Lord's house, an actual external place where we can go to celebrate our peace. This is a rebuilt temple in which it will be situated on the temple mount. 
If you go to out east, um, you'll see that this is currently in control. The Muslims have control of this. And so the Jews are looking at this place and they're saying a Messiah will come. And if you go to Jerusalem, it's scary because we look and declare that the Messiah has come and we wonder how people miss this. But they do. They miss it all the time that the Messiah has come. And these people are so close. They stand at the wailing wall and they pray to God and they say, God, bring the Messiah, bring the Messiah. And on the south wall of the temple in Israel, there's nobody there. It's beautiful because Jesus stood at that south wall and He sent His disciples out and He said, go, proclaim the gospel, make disciples of all nations, proclaim me to the whole entire world. And they went and that was fulfilled. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, that somebody delivered the gospel to me and to you. And so what we celebrate is that God will come again and He, in His coming again, will establish a place for us to have shalom, peace to be celebrated. It's not just internal peace, it's external peace, a place. Why do you need to know that? Because this changes how we live. I got a home in glory. I got a place to go that has peace. I remember when I was in college, uh, my college years were a little rough. I went to a Christian college called Grace College, and they had a bunch of rules and regulations that I followed to the T. If this is your first Sunday at Community Gospel, pray for me. See how these people treat me? They don't believe me. And it was tough. <clears throat> I remember my freshman year of college, I changed my name from Keller to Muck. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. Regardless, I knew that my parents loved me and they cared for me. And they would call me up on this thing. It's called a phone. And they would say, Jordan, when times get tough, just remember breaks are coming up and you can come home and you can rest in our home. So trials and tribulations happened, but I had peace knowing that breaks would come and I could be with my mom and dad at home soon. That's you and me in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that I have faith in Jesus Christ. A relationship with God gives me internal peace. And I live in such a way when trials and tribulations start surrounding me and life just starts going crazy. I got a home in glory. And I know that God is working all things for the good of those who love Him. And so I just keep my eyes fixated on Christ. And I keep my eyes fixated that there will be a time when peace will complete itself. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord Almighty to the Jew first, then to the Gentile, okay? And so we as believers have internal peace. Do you have internal peace with Jesus Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you confess with your mouth that you're a sinner and believe in your heart that He saves you. And do you know that there will come a time where that peace will have a place to dwell? And you can go there, and you can be present there, it's amazing to know that God loves us that much, that He gives us a home. Uh, Isaiah continues. <clears throat> he says in the second part of 3, listen to this. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord. This is the millennium, so we don't have uh, the new Jerusalem yet. We don't have the new heaven. We don't have the new earth yet. But it says we're going to go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob. Why? I love this part of Scripture. So that He may do two things so that He may first of all teach us His ways. And then number two, so that we can walk in His ways. In the Millennial Kingdom, most of the, um, most of the world won't be saved. 
They'll have accepted uh, what they call the mark of the beast. They'll have succumbed to society. Um, they will have um, bought so many Apple products <laughs> that they take a bite from the technological fruit and they falter. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> so most people won't be saved, but they will receive the mark of the beast, but some will not. Some will have chosen not to enter into that relationship with the world and be identified with the Antichrist. And so when that happens, there'll be some people that go to the house of the Lord and they'll want to be taught by his ways. Now, this is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, you and I have the opportunity to do that here and now, to be taught by the Lord. They'll go there because they want to have peace with God by hearing his word. You and I can have peace with God now by hearing his word. We identify ourselves as believers in a relationship with Jesus Christ when we cling to his word. We identify and mark ourselves as followers and believers of the way, Jesus Messiah, when we submit to the word. Last year, <clears throat> I went on a quest, and uh, the quest was to read the whole entire Bible in a year. Made it two days, fell short for three, picked it back up later. Completed it and realized that this is something I've been doing for years, but not something that just I need to do, that we need to do. It's the end of the year. Pick a Bible reading plan and stick with it. There are so many resources at your disposal. You need to be in God's Word. Some of us look at it and we say, I don't have any peace. You don't have peace because you don't know God's Word. you got to know God's Word. Sometimes I open up my Bible and I read it and I think to myself, that has nothing to do with my day. And God looks at me and says, you know what, Jordan? You're right has nothing to do with your day, but it has something to do with next month. It has something to do with next year. And the more you store up the little de deposits for the Lord in His Word, the more peace He gives you in your soul. So you've got to be in His Word. You've got to make time for the Word. Where do I start? Start. There's so many things. There's a, uh, if you want to write this down, write it down. It's readscripture.com. It's one of the best Bible reading plans out there. I followed it all last year. We're going to send out an email to our people. One of the best things out there. You need to be in the Word this year. Why? 1 Thessalonians, Paul says, The Word of God is at work in those of you who believe. His Word is like fresh water on a hot day. It's a warm cup of chocolate, uh, hot cocoa on a cold day. I had to think about that, right? Or tea or coffee, whichever you drink. By the way, coffee's so biblical. In the Bible, it says Hebrews, so carry on. Okay. Paul will say to the Colossians, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Why? First Peter, don't miss this. First Peter says, the word of God dwells forever. You ever had somebody say something to you and those words just fell short? Where humanity stops... Christ starts. Now, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you look at it and you say, listen, I didn't have a home to go home to. Uh, I never went to college. I didn't do those things. Where humanity falls short, our Heavenly Father always fulfills. So you can lean on your Heavenly Father and never get disappointed. You can listen to His Word and never be disappointed. He will always come through. I went and visited people in the hospital last week. I've been in... Uh, 
people's lives and sat down with them and had conversations with them. And let me tell you something, they constantly go back to the fact that the Word of God is the only thing that richly restores my soul in times of struggle. It's the only thing that we have to give to people who have, who have cancer and problems and personal things. It's the only thing. When I don't know what to say, God's Word knows what to say. But watch this. It says in the passage, it says, we're going to go to hear from the Word of God, but we also want to walk in His ways. See, reading is one thing, but actions are another. Peace also comes from walking in God's path or practicing what He has given to us. Did you know that believing in Christ, He is the only person that says, go ahead and test this out to see if it proves true. Go find one other faith where somebody says, hey, you can walk around and you can figure it out and you can put all these things into practice. No! So many false truths, so many false teachers, so many false religions, false faiths, they won't let you go out and test this out. Jesus says, go, test it out and see if it proves true. That's a good dad. Go see if this proves true. And so it says in Romans chapter 12, this is your spiritual act of worship. What? To not be transformed by the world or conformed to this world, but you're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I renew my mind? I get in God's word, but it doesn't stop there. Paul says, I want you to test that you may discern what the will of God is and see that it is good, acceptable, and pleasing to the Lord. So Paul says, you need to know the word. First of all, get it in your head, but you can also live it out by testing to see if it's true. So that means I can wake up in the morning, I can read my word, and I can say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to try to prove you wrong all day long. He says, go for it. That's like us who have kids. We look at our kids and we say, hey, have a good day. Go to school. And they say, okay, how am I supposed to have a good day? You're supposed to love your friends. You're supposed to uh, work hard on your tests. You're supposed to listen to your teacher. And they say, dad, I don't know if that's true. Prove me wrong. Okay. Prove him wrong. Who does that? Jesus does that. Now, if we have a home in glory, a place of peace, if we have an internal peace because of Christ, listening to his word and doing what it says, what you look forward to greatly influences what you're living for. So what you're looking forward to greatly uh, changes what you're living for. So if I wake up in, in the morning, every morning, I say, God, give me a desire for your word. I need to know this word. I need to know this truth. I need to be in this word. I open it. I read it. I say, God, help me to test to see if this is true in the day. Give me situations and circumstances that are outside of my control that only the word of God will speak into. Help me to do those things. He says, okay, that's what we're going to do. Why? Because I want to walk into heaven, not leap into heaven. So many of us need to live in such a way that we walk into heaven instead of leap into heaven, that we live on this earth in such a way that it is just like heaven because we followed God and his word and followed his truth. Look what he says in the end of three. He says, from out of Zion shall go his law. He's speaking of the gospel here. God's law is the gospel, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So the new law, this doctrine of the gospel, validates our knowledge and our belief and our practice. Paul will say, a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ. 
And he'll say it again in Romans. For the promise to Abraham and to his descendants was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So there is peace in this model to follow. If you lost a loved one this past year, I want to offer my condolences and say I'm sorry. And I know sometimes the pain of loss hurts, and I understand that. But let me articulate this in a way that maybe you'll understand. If your loved one wrote a letter to you with instructions on how to live, and they were so near and dear to your heart, would you take that letter and would you put it on the shelf, or would you open it up and read it? This season, so many people will open up these letters from their loved ones that they lost and they'll read all these cards. Bethany's got cards from her grandma and we got cards from all of these people who used to give Christmas cards and we'll read it. And we put these ornaments up on the tree and we put them up there and we're like, this, is, uh, this was your great grandma's ornament. And some of those uh, relics are old and broken. You need to get rid of those because grandma don't even want them around. But the good ones, you keep around. And, and you, you savor it, and you think about it, and you dwell on it. And in the Bible, it's called Selah. You think uh, with intention about these things. If we do that with things of the world, why don't we do that with the things of God? It'll give you peace. It'll give you peace when you receive it and peace when you share it. Now, my question is, when does this end? <clears throat> does it ever end? Verse 4. He shall judge between the nations, he being Jesus, the Messiah, and shall decide disputes for many people. He, Jesus, is going to come and he's going to judge between the nations. So in the millennial kingdom, what's going to happen is you're still going to have confrontation that's going to happen between people. And instead of having these presidents and these rulers and these leaders, Jesus is going to be the ruler. And he's going to be a righteous judge. And he's going to say, listen, those people who are of me, this is what happens. And those people that are not of me, this is what happens. And he's essentially what the Bible says, separating the sheep from the goats, the good from the bad. And he's going to judge between the nations as a righteous judge. And then it says, he shall uh, decide disputes for many people in a righteous way. Thank God for that. And they're going to turn their weapons that were of, <coughs> excuse me, of war into weapons of peace. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Peace ends first and foremost in the judgment of the nations. Even in the millennial reign of Christ, nations will have disagreements. But instead of settling them by conflict, they will be settled by Jesus, whose decisions are perfectly righteous. How does that speak to us? The things that we experience today that are outside of our control that cause us no peace are the things that God will judge someday that will cause us to have peace. You only need to trust and be still and know that He is God. The sickness, the loss, the pain, the pressure, the depression, all of that, that sets in, that comes like a flood. We look to this and we know that we serve a righteous God and a righteous judge who will make all things right. We need to leave it under His feet. One of our staff members at the church, we always know what she's going to say when problems hit at the church. We go in and we talk to her and she says, we just need to pray about it. 
And we look at her and we're like, well, duh. And she looks back at us all the time and she goes, well, did you do it? We're like, no. If prayer is our weapon that we have with God that gives us peace and we can leave all of our burdens at the feet of Jesus, we need to do those things. To give it over to Him and let Him be the righteous judge and say, listen, God, this doesn't make sense here now on this earth, but it will make sense in eternity when you come again. And I look forward to you coming again. You will restore all things unto yourself. You'll make all things new when you judge between the nations. Psalm 22, verse 8 and 9 says, Jesus shall break them with a rod of iron, and He shall scatter them like earthware, those who are lost. But those who are found, He will come and He will restore. And finally, there will be no war. Look at verse 4. The millennial kingdom is one of peace for those that believe, as the weapons of man will be broken. When he says the plowshare, he's speaking of the metal tip, which actually breaks the earth and cuts the furrow. The pruning hooks are used to prune the vines and cut off extra leaves and young shoot. It was a short knife with a curved hook, and at the end it was sharpened on the inside like a sickle. So what? The breaking weapons and fashioning agricultural implements indicate a transition from fear and stress to peace and security. Do we live underneath fear and stress or peace and security? The only way that we can live in peace and security is by being in a relationship with God, following in His Word, living it out in our everyday life. Letting it be validated underneath the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will be no more war because there's a new ruler on earth. His name is Jesus, and that's true peace, but it only comes for those who know Christ. John will declare in John 14, verse 27, it's Jesus' words, Peace I leave you and peace I give you. Do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or be afraid. Do we live in fear? I think sometimes the enemy wants us to be afraid. Afraid of the things that plague us. Afraid of the things that come at us. Afraid of job situations in the new year. Afraid of relationships. Some of us are afraid of what's going to happen on Christmas Day with our family. Christ doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants you to live in freedom, in a relationship with Him. A wise man once said, I found this and I think it's interesting. He said, the way to achieve inner peace is to finish all the things that you've started. So he looked around the house to see all the things that he had started and hadn't finished. And before leaving the house in the morning, he finished off a bottle of red wine, a bottle of white wine, some Prozac, a few Valium that were on the floor, some cheesecake left over from Thanksgiving, and a box of chocolates. You have no idea how good he felt for a season. And that's one road to peace, but I love what the author says but it wore off the next morning. And then Jesus says, which I think is fascinating, He says to His disciples, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. His disciples are experiencing a terror on the sea one day. And it's amazing because Jesus has sent His disciples out into the sea. And the seawaters come up and they start to rage around them. And they don't want to disobey Jesus. They don't want to go back. Because if they go back, they're disobeying their master, their rabbi, the one who says that they'll have peace. But he sends them on the water in a boat 
which is starting to be their demise. And so they're afraid. Now note this. In the Scripture, Jesus comes walking on the water. Jesus comes walking on the problem. Jesus comes to their aid on the thing that He sent them out on that is causing crisis in their life. This worldly element is causing distress, and they're afraid of it, and Jesus comes on it. And the end of the story is, He calms the wind and the waves and the sea. And He looks at His disciples and He says, I want you to have peace and know that I am greater than all of these things. I don't want you to be terrified. I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to understand that even when you're afraid and terrified, you're not going to end up like the world. You're going to end up like me. Until Christ's world came, word came in and set them free to live out what was truth. Do you have that peace? The peace of God who walks on your problems, stills the storms of life, says, I want you to have shalom, this completeness that can only come with me. I want you to spend time in my word and I want you to live out that truth. I was, uh, last week I sang, and I did such a good job, I want to do it again. Um, <clears throat> we were sitting back here, the choir was up here, and uh, me and, uh, it's not their real names, but Matt Crawman and, and Jeremy Hood were sitting in the back and we're watching the choir. And I look at Jeremy and I said, hey, what? Why aren't you singing? He says, oh, he says, they just couldn't come up to my level. <laughs> and I said, I said, me neither. I said, I said, it was grazing. Anyway, that's irrelevant to the story I'm telling you. But I love this. I was, I was listening to this the other day, and I, I want to leave you with it. And then Becky's going to come up, and she's going to play a whole better song. But do you know just a closer walk with thee? I think that's my prayer going into the new year is a closer walk with thee. Let me, let me read this to you. Maybe I'll sing it. Who knows? It says that I am weak, but he is strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. How, do, how does he do that? He keeps me from wrong by calming the, the waves and giving me his word and letting me live it out. I'll be satisfied all long. As I walk, let me walk close to thee. And then I love the chorus. It says, just a closer walk with thee. I'm not, I'm not ready yet. Hold on. Just pause. <clears throat> just a closer walk with thee. Grant it, Jesus, be my plea. That's good, right? Think about that. Think about that. Well, I'm walking into Christmas and all my crazy family members just a closer walk with thee. When I walk into the hospital and they're going to do chemotherapy and they're going to poke me and prod me with needles, grant it, Jesus, be my plea. For my teachers, when I have to go back to school and all these kids are sitting in front of me, Supposed to tell them about Jesus and be a living sacrifice. Just a closer walk with thee.
when I got to go back to the factory line, put all those cabinets back on those trailers that nobody buys. <laughs> Grant it, Jesus, be my plea. Daily walking close to the L of the end. Dear Lord, let it be. Isn't that good? Does that make it just... That's shalom right there. What you feel in your heart, that is southern gospel shalom. Now, hold on. There's another, there's another chorus. I'm going to keep going. Or, or another verse, sorry. I'm not in the music world. Listen to this, listen to this. And, this, and now I'll leave you. I promise I'm almost done. And then you can thank the Lord that Christmas service went as it did. When my feeble life is over and time for me will be no more. Listen to what he says. Guide me gently safely or to thy kingdom's shore to thy shore just a closer walk with thee it, Jesus be my plea that baby's singing I'm singing it too it's good can you can you pray that this season can you, can you pray just a closer walk with thee? Let me pray for you for that. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're reminded this season of the Advent that you came, but I think we miss all the time that you're coming back again. And the storms of life come and they rage and they go all around us and, and it causes us to be terrified and to be afraid. And I'm even reminded of the disciples even after you left that were shoved in a room and they locked the door. And then you came into the disciples and, and you met with them and you listened to them and you told them, don't be afraid, I give you peace. You had to walk through a wall to get to them, but you got through them. And they unlocked the door and they went out and they started sharing the gospel of Jesus to the rest of the world. The shalom that they had they wanted to give it back out. And God, we're getting to the end of the year and we're prepping for Christmas and all of us are going to open up gifts and we're going to have this season where we're around some people that we love and some people that we're kind of questioning on how to love. And God, I, I pray um, today as, as we're sitting here in this sanctuary that we would open up the greatest gift and maybe that's for you have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's so simple. You just say, God, I understand I'm a sinner and I want a relationship with Jesus. That His blood covers my sin. I know I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner and believe in my heart that you are my Savior. And I know so many of us who are gathered here today, we know Jesus. I know so many of you know a relationship with God. But maybe you've tarried. Maybe you, you, you're at this place in your life where you're just wondering why you don't have any peace. Why, why there's, there's unrest in your heart. Why things are going on that you just don't understand. God, our prayer here today is a closer walk with Thee. Our prayer here today is a closer walk with Jesus. That we would be hungry for Your Word. Be hungry to test it out in our everyday life. And that would be validated by the gospel that we have received. That it would prove true. 
that 2019 would be our, our best year ever. That we would leave the old ways, enter into the new. God, thanks for coming. And more importantly, thanks for coming again. We look forward and long for that day and the great reunion when we'll be reunited with you physically where our peace internally will have a place and that all will be, that is wrong will be made new. How amazing it is to be reminded of that truth in the times that we live in. It's in your name and your name we pray. And all God's people said, yeah, amen. I'll leave you with the words of Jesus as the worship team comes up. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave you and peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Shalom. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.